here we go. At our church, Jesus is Lord. That single belief calls us together as a community and sends us into our world with hope and purpose. At our church, your past will never define your future. There's always redemption, which means there's always a brighter day. At our church, we don't think we're better than any other church out there. We're just doing our best to become our best. At our church, we want you to believe in God, but we also want you to know that God believes in you. We are not against people who don't attend church anywhere. Instead, we pursue them with love, the very same love that's pursuing us. At our church, we're learning to serve God with all our hearts, and we're learning to worship Him with all our lives. And if you're looking for the perfect church, we're not it. At our church, we will make mistakes, but we will choose to grow from them. At our church, we're part of a global community that's knit together by the resurrection of Jesus. And by the way, at our church, we believe that really happened too. At our church, we will engage with people who are in real need because we are the hands and the feet of Christ. And finally, we need you to hear this loud and clear. At our church, it's not really our church at all. It's His. And we live and move and breathe in His church for His glory and His fame, not ours. So here's the invitation. You're invited to jump in with your whole heart at your own pace and to experience the life that awaits you in Christ. Friends, this is going to be good. Welcome to our church. Good morning, good morning, BCC and FCC, and to everyone else. Glad you are here watching this morning, and we want to let you know that we are safely at home, just like you are. We are doing this the night before. Uh, make sure you had a message, and we can do it safely. Um, so we are actually watching this live, just like you are, um, from our home with our families, which is awesome. This is the blessing of having technology and being able to be here at First Christian Church. Um, again, thank you, First Christian, for opening your your church to us and your hearts and your friendship to us. It's been a great partnership uh, thus far. I'm looking forward to the future. We are uh, we are ending our series entitled The Power of Words. And so tonight we are going to wrap up this whole series with uh, a virtual paint night. We'll give you instructions about that at the end of the message. But that is going to be tonight at 6 o'clock to put a bow on this series as we move into our next series in February entitled Where is the Love? And hopefully a lot of songs come to your mind and heart as we talk about uh, where we can find love and how God's established love to be lived out uh, within the family, individuals, the church, and the community. So look forward to that series, but we have to finish this one first. So we're going to move to the time of worship. And though these songs may be familiar, though these songs have been played uh, for the last few months, uh, they're still songs that we worship in spirit and truth. They're not ones that we just sing mindlessly, that we actually want to sing from our hearts and sing from our souls. So let these, this worship song resonate with you. Uh, let, it, let you worship in it, be lost in it, find what God has to say and convey your love to him as well. I'm going to pray for us, and then we're just going to engage in this time of worship. Uh, right before I pray, please take your cell phone or take the screen or wherever you are and share that you are streaming this, that you're watching this on Facebook, you're watching it on YouTube. Let others know everybody, most people are going to be home today due to the snow. And so a lot of people are going to be streaming uh, services or looking for an alternative. Well, they can check out what we're doing here uh, with Bowie City and First Christian. Uh, so make sure you do that. Engage this morning. Engage, engage, engage. And right now, let's engage in worship. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to uh, turn it over to the Turpins to lead us in worship again. Let's pray. God, we come before you again saying thank you, Lord. Lord, as uh, the snow falls, uh, for if it's not falling for some or going to be falling, Lord, uh, it's just a reminder how, how awesome you are. It reminds me of the cleansing uh, that you did for us. You make us white as snow because of the blood of Jesus, his sacrifice for us. And we say thank you for that, and I, I enjoy seeing the snow falling. Um, and so we ask that you do keep everyone safe and those who suffer from the cold, that they will be brought in and kept warm, Lord, uh, during this cold mark of, of the year. And God, as we turn our hearts and minds to you and worship, that we, again, we don't sing songs as a gonging symbol just to sing mindlessly, that we would engage with you, that you would meet us here in the midst of our 
of our troubles, in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our worry, in the midst of our victories, in the midst of our success, that we say you're good. You're good when times are hard and you're good when times are great. So let us worship you, Lord. Let it be pleasing to you. Let it be honoring unto you. We thank you for the Turpin family providing worship songs for us during this pandemic. Lord, we look forward to getting back to live worship. But we will use this to worship you in spirit and truth. Bless all these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen and amen.
make me feel like a king. They've lifted my heart to places I've never been, and they've dragged me down back to where I began. Words can build you up, words can break you down. Start. Awesome, awesome. God is indescribable. He is so good. So this is one of my one of my favorite songs. I love that song. Sing it every Sunday. It's up to me. Uh, again, I am Dion Bolding, lead pastor of Bowie City Church, and we're in partnership here. We're First Christian Church. As we move through this pandemic together, we embrace this partnership. As we look forward to meeting with you in person, hopefully soon in the next coming uh, weeks or so, as we move our way through this pandemic and taking the, the, what, what this governor and the county executive set for us. We will do that safely. And so can't wait for that day to be back together, worshiping together. We are ending our series entitled Power of Words. And so if you miss any of those sermons, please go back and watch them on our YouTube, t- YouTube page at Bowie City Church. Um, you know, at YouTube, youtube.com backslash Bowie City Church. You also go to First Christian to their uh, Facebook page and their website, and you'll go to our Facebook page as well. So hello to everyone. I do want to say we would love for you to engage. We will keep saying that, keep saying that. Please like, you know, use the like button, use the amen button or the, the hands like this or high five. And two people, they say it's different things. I see it as this, and then some people say, oh, it's two people high-fiving. I see it as prayer. But put in the comments, engage, uh, amen uh, interact with each other. We would love that. Use technology to be with each other. That would be awesome. So do that this morning. I'm going to just get right into it as we close on this fifth Sunday, which we normally would do, be doing the grocery store buyout on the fifth Sunday. But um, right now we're not able to do that. So we're going to continue on and God will give us another opportunity to do the grocery store buyout in the near future. It says this in Romans 13, 7, give to to everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay taxes. If revenue, then revenue. If respect, then respect. If honor, then honor. Church, this morning, the word that we're going to be focused on, the one word, the power of word, is honor. I would like everybody to write it down, put it in the comments. Uh, Honor, honor. H-O-N-O-R. Put it in the comments as we engage with that this morning. And I want to explain why we're going through the word honor and not another word. But honor, I think a lot of us underestimate the meaning of the word honor. I found this story of this, this testimony of, of a pastor who was going to Korea uh, on a missions trip. And he wanted to get some traveling tips. So he had a buddy who was a well-renowned traveler. And so he went to him saying, hey, what should I know about going to Korea? Any, any tips that you can give me before I head there? And so his friend told him these few things. He says, when you meet someone for the first time, it's proper to bow, but just a little. Don't make a big bow, a deep bow. Just tilt your head so your head is slightly lower than the person that you're engaging with. This conveys respect and honor. And so if that person bows, you bow just a little bit lower than they bow to show respect. Then when you're shaking hands, you take your free hand and you grab their elbow or their forearm as you shake it. This gesture is considered to be very polite. And so it is pretty easy way to show honor and respect for the person you're meeting. It's also honoring to bring a gift. But when you bring the gift, 
make sure that you offer the gift with two hands extended to the person that you are coming to see, and they will receive the gift with two hands as they receive it from you. And in this, you are bringing respect and honor to that person. In Korea, as most places, he warned him, in the world that it to be careful not to show the soles of your shoes. You must never rest your feet upon a desk or a table. To do so is very rude, extremely rude, and it shows disrespect and dishonor. The pastor says, okay, got it, but out of curiosity, if you have some friends traveling from another country to the United States, what do you tell them uh, that they should know what tips and things when it comes to respect and honor. And this world-renowned traveler, this well-known traveler says, I wouldn't tell them anything. Those certain things of honor or respect don't really matter much here. And you know what? That is true and sad. There aren't really customs that we have in our American culture that make us go, this shows honor, this shows respect, in every relationship, and everybody knows it. There are a few things that makes us do that. You know, take off your hat when you enter a room, uh, look a man in the eye, shake the hand firmly. But don't, people really don't feel that you're disrespecting or dishonor, depending if you're old school or anything like that. But it's not really a big deal because we really don't have this culture of honor like we do in the Western or in, in the Asian countries and things of that sort. The word honor. You got to change it? Change your mics. Okay. You guys, we're going to this out. This is live. This is what it is. Live church when the sound man says, Change your mic. All right, am I on? All right. So hopefully that sounds better. Picking up, continue with honor. It's not something that we practice here as much as, as a culture. So as I was preparing for this, how did I end up coming to this word honor? Because this is not the word that I was going to preach on this morning. See, as I plan out the sermon series, I normally get a get an idea listen to God, pray about it, and have an idea. And then I bring it to Jason, and I tell Jason, hey, this is what I'm thinking. What do you think about this? And he says, oh, I think that's a good idea. So we laid out this sermon series, and we laid out the words. And I, and I said, on the fifth Sunday, I'm going to do coalesce. And Jason said, oh, that's great. That's your word. But really well. I was like, yeah, it will wrap up really well. Sound issues. So we are going to, uh, so I was going to go ahead and go with that word. But when I got down on Wednesday to start preparing for my sermon and writing my sermon, God says to me, I feel this through the Holy Spirit. uh, And you know when you get asked a question and you know the answer, and you know the answer is going to incriminate you, so you don't say the answer? Me, I was just like, silence was deafening because I did not reply back. And God said, did you ask me what to pray about? And honestly, I didn't that I had a plan, and it fits the fits with the theme. I know that for me, I can preach it. Hey, come to the left, parts coming together to make a whole. I was going to preach on two churches coming together and make a whole, and God has a plan, and I was just going to run with it and go with it. And, uh, and God, I'm telling you to pray, uh, the preacher. So, what was right? I had to repent. So, literally, I repented. I said, you're right. And I said, God, I'm sorry. I apologize. What do you want me to preach on? And I sat and I waited to listen for what God had to say. This is what I hear from God. Not like I'm a spiritual person or anything like that or a prophet.
Try that now. Here we go. Okay. Back up. I'm backing up in there. All right. So I'm going to go why we're preaching on the word honor as we get the sound right. So I was going to preach on the word coalesce. And like I said, I told Jason before, this is what the sermon series is going to be. You normally ask me, we lay them out. And as we got to this one, we laid out what it was going to be, what he was going to preach, what I was going to preach. Done deal. Coalesce was going to be the word. So as I got ready to preach this Sunday, on Wednesday, I said, okay, I'm going to preach this, start prepping. And God asked me the question, did I tell you to preach that? And like I said, I didn't answer because I knew the answer and it was going to incriminate myself, so I didn't say anything, but my, my silence was deafening and God said, Dion, did I ask you to preach that? And the answer was no, because I didn't really ask God and wait on God for it. I had a plan, thought it was a good idea, can use our core values, bring the two churches together, add my word. It just fit. It was great. Like, great. God said, that's awesome if you want to preach that, but what am I going to tell you to preach? So I repented. I said, God, forgive me. God, I confess I did not come before you. What do you want me to preach? And the word he gave me was honor. And I'm like, okay, honor. I wrote it down. And right after that chapter, John chapter 2. And I want to tell you guys, when I was thinking, John chapter 2, I was kind of like, John chapter 2 and the word honor doesn't, the word honor is not even in John chapter 2. See, with, with me, I'm, I have this, this desire before I take my last breath here on earth to memorize the whole book of John. I know that's kind of a feat for some, but this is my favorite gospel. I love John. I read the book of John every month. Every month, I read it through the whole, whole book, read the whole month. So I kind of got a good handle on John as I'm trying to memorize it. Not trying. I am memorizing it. And so John chapter 2, I'm like, John chapter 2, an honor. And God says, I want you to look at John chapter 2 with the lens of honor. In church, when I did that, when I looked at John 2 with honor, it jumped off the page. And that is what we're going to talk about this morning. Because I believe God is calling us, he is saying to us that we need to be a people that honor, people of honor, not just honoring him, but honor each other and all different facets that we're going to be preaching through and, and breaking down this morning. So my prayer is that you will be encouraged. My prayer is that you would have something that stings as it comes through this, because I did when it comes to God's question saying, do you honor me? How is your honor in this? So open your Bibles, get your device. It's going to be on the screen as well. But John chapter 2, and we're going to go through almost all the John chapter 2 and we're going to see how God is speaking through this chapter when it comes to the word honor. So John chapter 2, verse 1, 1 through 3, or sorry, 1 through 2 says this. On the third day, a wedding took place in Cana of Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. We're going to stop there. Church, BCC, FCC. My prayer is that you would be grounded in honor. And that in that, that we would see that in this, in those two, two verses, that we would see what Jesus did and how Jesus honored. He honored people. He honored the invitation. So I want to give you some cultural context of what's going on here in this wedding. Because it's not the same way that we do weddings here in the Western world in the United States. So for us, we get invited to a wedding. It is like we feel a little honored. We are like, oh, thank you. That's cool that you invite me to your wedding. But to Jesus, in Jesus' culture, in the time he walked to earth, it was a huge deal to be invited to a wedding. So culturally, if there was a wedding that took place, they would invite everybody. Everybody was kind of welcome. But if you got an invitation, it was something special. It was that they were going to be looking for you to be there. Now, when we get an invitation, we, people actually expect for you sometimes to say no. You invite people sometimes to your wedding knowing that they're not going to come. But you like, I want to honor them by, by invitation. But you expect them not to come if they're out of the country or, or you know their circumstances. You're just like, I want to make sure they, I want them to know that we want them to be there. But I know they're going to most likely say they're not coming. But in Jesus' culture, that's not how it was. 
It's not how we go, oh, you're like, we got an invitation to mail. Hey, let's check the calendar. Let's make sure, like, you know, do we have an event going on? Do the kids have a, a game or a meet going on? A, is my favorite sport teams on? Like, what time of year is it? Is it going to be the Masters or is March Madness or the Super Bowl or any teams, any season going to be in the playoffs? Or we got to check to make sure, like, our bank account and our checking account are matching up, that we have the budget to go. We do all these checkings before we say yes to go to the wedding. Where in Jesus' culture, it was reverse. It was, we will drop everything to come to this because of the honor that we have received from you and that we honor those who invited us. The invitation. See, Jesus cared for people. He cared to be where people that wanted him there. Jesus honored people with his presence as they honored him, wanting his presence with them. And church, my question to you is, are you the kind of person that looks to be honored by people? Do you look to honor people with your presence? Do you look to honor people with saying, thank you for inviting me in? Now, I'm not saying you can make every invitation. You can't make every honor. You can't be all things to all people, even though Paul says that. But when it comes to salvation and presenting the gospel, but Jesus will accept every invitation into your life. If you ask Jesus to come into your marriage, if you ask Jesus to come into your studies, you ask Jesus to come into your friendships, you ask him to come to anything, you invite Jesus into anything, he will be there. He will honor your invitation. He will honor you as a person. He will honor us as the people. Jesus, invite Jesus into every sermon, to every worship experience, to every Bible study, to every, he's like, I am there. He says, where two or more are gathered in my name, I am there. Jesus honors us with his presence, but a lot of times we don't honor Jesus with our presence. We don't show up when Jesus shows up. We don't honor him to meet him every morning at the kitchen table or every morning at your desk or every morning at the couch or every night before you get, go to bed. He is waiting on you. He's invited us. He's invited us. He's invited us. Yet we don't honor the invitation. We don't honor the person of Christ. And church, I ask you, where are you kind of just, uh, just don't really, not motivated, not moved, you look for ways to not be around people. And yeah, you're like, I'm not a people person. But the most introverted person can influence 13 people. Honor people with your presence. Honor as you love God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And the second commandment, the greatest commandment is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love people, church. Would you honor them with your presence? It's as hard as it is right now. Honor them with your presence. Jesus did that, which is great, which is awesome. So he goes on. Not only did he just honor people, because he wanted to be around people, but in verse 3 through 6, we see Jesus doing another thing, which is awesome. It says this in verse 3. Now, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, my hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, do whatever he tells you. Church, this is awesome. This is awesome right here. Jesus honored his parents. Jesus honored his, his, his parents. Now, let's, let, let's, let's look at this, okay? So we know there's some, like, cheekiness going on here, you know, relationship between a son and a, and a mother. But let's really look into this. Okay, so for there not to be any wine, that is a big deal. So in studying this and looking at this, Jesus was in, Jesus was in, in, in Galilee, I'm sorry, in Cana of Galilee, in the Capernaum area. And so they believed that Jesus was invited to a wedding that most likely was a friend or a cousin or like, you know, play cousins, like somebody that's really close. They're not cousins, but they're calling each other cousins. You know, you know how people do. They say that Jesus most likely knew this family whoever was getting married or whoever invited him to the wedding. It wasn't just randomness. Jesus was, at this point, quote-unquote, nobody. Like, he hadn't, he hadn't started his ministry. So he was invited because they actually knew who he was, most likely friends or family. And so in their culture, if you run out of wine, it's a big deal. 
And so Mary's like, hey, she's probably related or close to whoever's actually getting married or some, some level of that sort. She is saying, there is a problem. There's a problem, and I'm going to go to Jesus. Now, why did she go to Jesus and not to Joseph? She knew Jesus was special, but again, Jesus had not walked into his ministry yet, so she hadn't, why would she think Jesus would do any miracles? And she, she didn't. She's going to her son as a mother would to say, can you fix this? It's like, Jesus, can you just do something? Uh, she didn't go to Joseph because most scholars believe that Joseph had already passed away. You don't see any mention of Joseph through the three years of Jesus' ministry. And so most scholars believe that he had passed away. And so she's looking to her son, her firstborn son, her oldest son, like, can you fix this? Can you? Like, Jesus, I don't know if you need to add some water to the bottom of the water. The wine is there and mix it up and, like, make some, like, diluted wine. Like, do something, Jesus. Like, hey, servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. Like, fix it, Jesus. Like, and walk away. And Jesus is like, what? Why are you? So when he says, do you, my time has not yet come, Mary's like, what are you talking about? Like, I, what, what's that guy doing with me? Whatever. Hey, servants, whatever he tells you to do, do it. And Jesus honored his mother. How did he honor his mother? Because Jesus knows the will of the Father. He says, my time has not yet come. And so Jesus only did what the Father was doing, only said what the Father was saying. So as he is saying this, my time has not yet come, the Holy Spirit, God, the Father, is telling, honor your mother. I, we, I know your time has not yet come. I, yeah. Honor your mother. And Jesus honors his mother. He doesn't say, Mom, you're killing me. Mom, why are you bugging me? Mom, why are you all in my space? Like, Mom, like, bye. Bye, Felicia. Like, he didn't do none of that. He, he did question her, but she's like, well, just do it. And he has this moment, and I, the way I read it and, the, and how I see it and how I sense it is like, God's like, honor your mother. Because we know that this is the commandment that comes with the blessing. Children, all, uh, children, obey and honor your parents for this is right. And the Lord, and this comes... This commandment comes with a blessing to the youngest kid here, to the oldest kid here, from the five-year-old to the 95-year-old. I urge you, I implore you to honor your parents. And you say, Diane, I don't have the best parents. Do you know my parents? They get on my nerves. My parents were not, if you're a kid, teenager, or your parents have already passed away and you're an aging adult, honor your parents. Yes, they may not have been the best parents, but Maybe they did not do a good job. Maybe they did the best they could and fell short. Maybe you don't have the parents you wanted. I I don't necessarily have the parents I wanted. I would love my parents to own Disney World, but they don't. Like, that would have been great. That would have been awesome. I would love them to be billionaires. That would have been sweet, but they're not. I don't hold that against them. I honor them. Be careful how you speak about your parents. Be careful how how you engage with your parents, that you would honor them and who they are in church, I would tell you. I personally believe that I am a blessed man because of how I honor my mom and dad and how they love me and how I say I will do any, I don't want anything negative to come back on my parents because of who I am and the last name I carry. Do you walk that way as a teenager, as a child, as an adult when it comes to your parents, regardless of how great or how negative they were in your life? You're here for a purpose, and it took two people to get you here. If that is the only thing that's the positive thing, then honor them in that. And Jesus honored his mother. The next verses go on and say, 6 through 10 says this, Near, Nearby stood six stone jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding 20 to 30 gallons. And Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water, so they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it out, take it to the master of the banquet. So they did so. Verse 9. And the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who drew the water knew. And he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What did Jesus do? Jesus honored authority. Right here, he honored authority. He's like, Diana, I didn't even see that. I didn't see that in there at all. 
Jesus honored authority. See, check this out. Because Jesus honored the people, he honored the invitation, and then he honored his present, he honored his parents, he honored his mother. Other people were blessed because of her request, and that Jesus did honor the master of the banquet. See, the person who was actually giving the throwing this party, maybe the bride, because he called the bridegroom to them, and maybe there's just an exchange going on. Maybe the bridegroom, maybe the, the host said, hey, you marry my daughter, I'll take care of the food and the party and all that, but bring the wine, okay, groom? Like, bring the wine. Do that part. In the cultural context of this, if you run out of wine at a wedding, it is the, one of the most disrespectful things you could do in that cultural setting when it comes to a party was to run out of wine. It's like running out of chicken at Popeye's. You're like, why, why do we even come? So the cultural context, the weight of this is huge. Like the business context, the business of this, if you run out of wine and, you're the bri- and you were supposed to bring the wine, they're going to say, well, why should I do business with you if you ran out of wine? Like the, the level of this, of the disrespect they're going to have in the community is like, there goes the people who ran out of wine at the wedding. Can you believe that? Like, they were like, didn't you not know we were coming? You're the one who invited us. And because Jesus honored the invitation and because he honored his mother, these people, the people in the party and the bridegroom and the bride and the master of, of the banquet were blessed. But what Jesus actually did in honoring the, the master of the banquet is that Jesus says, take this to him. Take it to the person at top. Take it to the authority and let him drink it. See, Jesus could have said to him, yo, what's up, bro? Like, you you got me out. You got my mom over here tripping. She coming there asking me to do stuff, and, and now I got to come through for you. Like, don't you know how big a deal this was? You didn't know how many people were coming, and now I got to get you out of a bind? Like, bro, what is up? No. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus didn't say, take this cup to him and show and tell him who did it. Tell him that Jesus did it. Jesus didn't want any clout. Jesus didn't want any notoriety for it. He wanted him to see that there's wine and that the wine he had was the best wine. Jesus honored the authority. He didn't throw shade at him. He didn't knock him down. He didn't belittle him. He didn't make him feel horrible. Jesus says, I will come and I will honor you. As the master, I will give you my best. In church, I don't know if this resonates with you, but it does with me because I have failed in this part of this chapter often, especially in the last couple months as we ended this, this political season. I did not speak highly of our former president. I'll just be honest. Not of his presidency, but just of who he was. And I have to, it, it pains me that my kids heard me say things that were not like, I didn't curse the guy out or anything, but I didn't say things that wasn't nice. I wouldn't want anyone to say that about me. And the Holy Spirit said, Dial, aren't you a leader? Aren't, don't people look up to you? Don't you have a position of authority? Yet it's okay to call him names. So yet to, it's okay to poke shots at him. And it, it, it like, jumped out at me. Jesus said, Dion, you're not honoring authority. You're not honoring leadership. How would you like it to be in that position and have people not honoring you? Though you don't make, you don't, you're not going to be perfect, and though you're going to be held accountable for your, your, your failures and your victories, great, awesome. But you do your part in honoring authority in church. As us as churches, us as families, and us as individuals, my question to you is, where are you failing? and honoring authority. Because Jesus set the example. He didn't want anything back. He wanted to bring honor to those who are in authority. Verse 11, story goes on. Verse 11 says, what Jesus did there in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory. And his disciples believed him. Because Jesus honored invitation and he honored his mother, and then he honored authority, in that, Jesus fulfills and honor his calling. His first sign and miracle was done because all this other honoring happened. If he didn't accept the invitation, if he didn't honor his mother, if he didn't honor authority, his disciples would not have believed the way they believed. And he honored his calling. Jesus knew what his calling was. He knew that his time was, has not yet come until God says, yes, it is. It has come. Here it is. 
honor your mother, and then go honor the authority. And watch what happens when the disciples see this, the five that are following you, because in chapter 1 it tells you which disciples to follow them. is Peter or Simon, Andrew, James, and John, and Philip. They are there at the wedding, and they see what happened. And because Jesus did this honoring, we can see this happening, they believed. Because before that, Jesus hadn't done any miracles. He was just baptized by John the Baptist. And they only said, they only followed him because John the Baptist said, this is the Lamb of God. This is the one who takes away the sins of the world. And they say, okay, we'll follow that guy. But Jesus had done nothing up to that point. But because he did this, they, they followed. Because of this, they believed. And my question to you, church, the question for myself, it says, are you honoring your calling? Are you honoring your calling, church? God has put a calling on your life. Some of you know what it is, and some of you don't. And some of you run away from it, and you're not honoring it. Some of you are putting dirt upon it. Some of you are pushing away from it. Some of you are not even trying to live in the calling that God has had for you. Some of you don't pursue it because you're afraid what God might say. I've heard people say, I don't pray for, for God to be a missionary because he might just call me to be a missionary. I'm like, but what if he's calling you to be a missionary? You're going to miss your calling because you're afraid, because of fear, because of you're going to be uh, uncomfortable. People will believe if you honor your calling. In church, because of, because of the way we've ran this church and because we are able to do this church debt-free and start from nothing and give 30% away, and yes, we took sacrifices, and yes, we've done other stuff, but because of that, other churches have asked me, have literally said, Dion, I would hire you. Like, what, how much would it cost? And I can say, it's easy for me to say no. It's easy for me to go, I'm, thank you, but no, because I honor the call that God has for me here. I'm honoring that. Until God says, your next calling is no longer here, it's over there, I am here. Would I love to be somewhere else some of the days? Yes, just like you would love to be other places some days too, just like Jesus would love to be other places at times. But he says, not my will be done, not my calling be done, but God's. Honor your calling. Honor your craft, whatever God has called you to. Honor it. Do it. And do it to your best ability. And out of that, people will be blessed. People will be blessed. The disciples were blessed. The master of the ceremony, the bridegroom and the bride were blessed. Jesus' mother was blessed. Those who were invited to the wedding, they were all blessed because Jesus honored. Not only that, it continues on. Verse 13, we skip a couple, we skip verse 12 and go to verse 13. It says this, And when it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem in the temple courts, he found people selling cattle and sheep and doves and others sitting at table exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned tables. Verse 16, to those who sold doves, he said, get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. And the disciples remembered that it was written, zeal for your house will consume me. Church, Jesus honored the church. He honored his father's house. It's kind of self-explanatory what's going on here, and I don't want to press too much time going into it too deeply, but Jesus comes into everybody at Passover. If you've had a bar mitzvah all the way till you take your last breath, you're able to make it to Jerusalem. During Passover, you go to Jerusalem. You go to the temple. That is what you do. And so it's a pilgrimage. Every year, thousands of people from all over, all over the Middle East would go to Jerusalem. And they would go there to pray. They would go there to pay their tithes and dues. They would go there to make their sacrifices. And in that, people used that as an opportunity to make money. And they knew they could make the most money at the temple because people would be desperate to get their sacrifices right. They'll be desperate to exchange their money because the temple says, well, we don't, take your, we don't take Ethiopian money and we don't take this other country's money. So you have to exchange this currency for our currency. And the temple, the priests, and they were taking a cut off of those who were inside the court exchanging money and selling like a market inside the temple inside the father's house. Just imagine somebody setting up shop in your house, like, like a Tostitos commercial. Like, hey, they wanted to see Tostitos, so I just made a restaurant. Like, everybody come in. Like, what is going on? That's what Jesus is saying. But Jesus had this anger, and he says, I 
will honor my father's house. If none of those, you will. I will. In church, I implore you, I ask you, I beg you that you will honor the church. And I, I honor First Christian and what they've done here at this building. We walked in here for that first Sunday. We walked in before we were talking about the partnership. And I was like, this building is amazing. You can see how much this congregation has honored this building, this structure called the church that's First Christian Church of Brock Hall. They honor this piece of property. And it's inspiring to me. It's inspiring to us as Bowie City as someone who doesn't have a church building, but like, ah. Oh, this church has been here for so long, and look how great it is. And I know it has, may not always look this great, but we can tell that they put honor into it. They put their work into it. They said, this is God's land. This is God's house, and we will operate as if. And they open their doors to those who are in need, like Bowie City Church. And we, when we were at Benjamin Task, we honored that building, not because it was the building that our kids went to at school and the kids in the community. This is where we worshiped. And so we would do our part to make it clean. We would do our part to help the building and help the staff and help the, help the principal to say, we honor this place as a place that we come to worship. Church, honor the church and what you say. Do you talk bad about the bride of Christ? Do you say, oh, the church is this? Oh, the church is that. I can't believe that church. I can't believe. And God said, who are you? You're no different than those who come here and talk bad about my church and talk bad about my building and disrespect them. Let us not be a people. Let us not be a church. Let us not be individuals who show disrespect and dishonor to God's church. Let us be ones who say, this is God's house. This is where worship happens. This is where prayer happens. This is where people come, the broken come. This is where the word gets delivered. Let us be that kind of people and kind of church. As we move to wrapping up, it says this in Proverbs 3, 9. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of your crops. Another translation, New Living Translation says at the bottom, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best parts of everything you produce. Church, let us be a people who honor God with our giving. And this goes right along with what just transpired. The people in the church, the Gentiles, those who had no business being in the temple courts, they weren't even Jewish, they weren't even trying to pursue the Jewish faith, were in there to make money off God. Oh, let us not be a church, let us not be a people, let us not be a person who is using God, leveraging God to make money. And you're like, I would never do that. I would never use God to make money. Check this out. The average Christian gives less than 3% of their income. 25% of Christians give nothing at all. And the average tip that's given to a server at a restaurant is 16%. That's amongst Christians. 95% of diners feel obligated to leave a tip. 56% tip in spite of having lousy service when the server or the food was just not up to par. Over half of people still give some sort of tip. The reason that they give when they are asked this, why do you give, why do you tip, was this. So that they would not be looked upon in a negative manner. Check this out. People will worry about the person who's bringing their food and filling up their water jar, filling up their water glass, while they give little thought of honoring God who's given them everything. Is that not blows my mind for me, that I would worry about this waitress, this waiter, this manager of a restaurant, about how much I'm tipping them, how much I'm giving to them because of their service, yet I will not think about how much I'm giving to God because of how he has served me. It is something to think about, and that's what a tip does. It shows honor to the one who served you. It shows honor to the one who, even if they tried, even if it was bad, you're showing honor of like, oh, like I'm honoring, I'm, I'm showing that you did something. The better job you did, the more I would give you. Ask yourself this question. Has God ever served you? Has God ever asked 
answered a prayer request to you? Has God ever shown a miracle to you? Has God has given you a word? Has God ever given you peace? Has he ever given you understanding? Has he ever given something to you from your request? Has he ever served you? Even 56% of people give in bad service. What about God? And you say, Diane, I don't leverage God. If you don't give the way God has called you to give, then you are robbing from God exactly what they were doing in the temple. In the book of Malachi, the same thing they were doing. He says, bring your whole tithe, your best, to the storehouse. When you don't do that, you are thieves and robbing God. And that's exactly what they were doing. And Jesus was angry. Church, let us be a church that honors God with what we give. And not just money. This is not about money because you don't give to me. If you ever think you're giving to me, I would clear that up. You are not. You're never giving to one person in this church. You're giving to the church through the church. And it's not just about money. It's the best of everything you produce. Your time, your talent, your treasure. You are to give your best to God. Your first to God. I give my God, I give God my first every morning. Every morning. I, there may be a few days out the year where I don't do it and I feel bad. I feel like, oh, I, I need to repent because I'm not giving him my best. I give him the best of my talent. I give him the best of my treasure. Church, my question to you, are you honoring God with what you give? And this is not about money. If God's telling you to give time, then you give that time. If he's telling you to give this resource, then you give this resource. If God is telling you to give this relationship, then you give this relationship. If he's telling you to give a, a full tithe, then you give a full tithe. If he's telling you to give an offering, you give it. You honor God with what he tells you to give. And by doing so, you will see blessings flow and you will see others be blessed. Just like when Jesus followed and honored his calling and honored the, the, the authority and honored his parents and honored the people and blessings happen to them all. 1 Peter 5, 6. So humble yourself under the mighty power of God, and at that right time, he will lift you up in honor. Church, God has an order for everything he does, and as long as you honor those things he requires of me, he will begin to exalt me to the heavens. As I honor God, in my calling, I honor God when he's telling me to give how he's told me to give. And I honor my parents. And I honor people around me. And I honor authorities around me. God says, and I will lift you up. Stop trying to lift yourself up. Stop trying to honor yourself. God says, no, 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 no. You honor all these things I've called you to, and I will make you honorable. Oh, come on, church. Holy Spirit, speak. Do you hear what I'm saying? Be a person, be a family, be a people, be a church, be churches that is full of God's honor. When somebody looks at you and they say, now that is a man or woman of God. When they look at you and say, that person is bringing honor to their parents. When they look at you, they say, that person is something different about them. And you can say, like Jason says last week, yeah, because I put on my coat. My father gave me this coat. You can see what the good about me is not about anything that I gave myself. It is God, and I'm showing glory back to him with what I say and what I live and how I love, not according to my own heart and not according to my own way, but according to God's way and his word. I will be a person of honor. Zephaniah says this. Here's a promise I found in Zephaniah 3.17. He will take delight in in you with gladness, with his love. He will calm all your fears. He will rejoice over you with joyful songs. O church, may God delight in you with gladness, And with his love, may he calm all your fears. Because honoring is hard. Honoring is not easy. Because you're like, what is so-and-so going to say? What if I don't have enough money? What if this is not? What if, what if, and fear can creep in. And he says, I will will delight. And I will sing over you if you honor me. All that you say and do, and you honor people around you. 
I found this other security in this, in honoring, in Psalms 32.7. You are my hiding place. You will protect me from my troubles. You surround me with a song of deliverance. Church, would you honor God? He says, I will protect you. I will deliver you. I am your refuge. I am your hiding place. I am your alpha and omega. I am your beginning and end. I am your author. I am your grace. I am enough. I am your sufficient. I am your peace. I am your still water. I am the grass that you feed on. I am the lily in the valley. I am the bright and morning star. I am your lion. I am your lamb. You can rest in me. Show me honor for who I am in your life. Church, would you meditate on honor this week? I don't know what word you have for 2021. It could be honor and maybe something totally different. But try living a double standard life, saying that you're a person of honor, but not being honorable will rob you. Will rob you of your gladness, will rob you of your peace, will rob you of your joy, will rob you of your security, and will rob you of your victory if you fail to be a person of honor. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the great God you are, how much you love us, Lord. God, I thank you for your word, Lord, and I continue to repent when I don't come to you first, when I don't come to you full heartily, when I, God, I say, bless my plans, and God said, well, I would rather bless the plans that I have for you. God, I repent of that. And God, may I be a person of honor in all I say and do, and how I love my family, and love my wife, and love my children, Lord, and how I love people, Lord. And we, I pray the same thing for those who are hearing this, Lord, that they will be people of honor. They will honor their family. They will honor their parents. They will honor you. They will honor you with their talent, their treasures, their time. That they will say, God, I don't want to be a person of dishonor. I don't want you to look upon me and see dishonorable actions or dishonorable steps that I would hold my calling up high. I will hold my love to you up high. I will hold your church up high. I would hold these places of honor in my life. God, show us where we show up, fall, show us where we show up short. Let this resonate with us. God, we thank you. We ask you to continue to meet, to continue to move. We give this time of offering to you, Lord that you would bless it tenfold. You don't give to a church, you give through a church. So Lord, as this is being an extension of our worship, I ask you to bless us to further your kingdom. And that's all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. this time in our service that normally we would take an offering plate like this one and we would pass it along the pews and we would collect our tithes and offerings. But we're unable to do that being in this virtual mode. But what we've done is we've set up an opportunity for you to give by a text message. So if you grab your cell phone and you're from Bowie City Church, what we want you to do is we want you to text the word GIVE to 301-970-4565. If you're from First Christian Church, we want you to text the word GIVE to 301-970-3646. You'll then be given some prompts, a link to click on. And if you follow those links, it will take you to what essentially is our, our web page giving page. And what we want you to do is to, to sign in, create an account, add your information, because then we can track your giving through the year uh, and provide you with a report at the end of the year. You only need to set up your account one time. After that, all you'll need to do on Sunday mornings when you come to, to, to worship to give your gifts 
All you need to do is just text the number. So pick the, the number 20. You text 20 to one of those two numbers and $20 will be given to that church. So as we worship, as we close in worship now, just take this time to engage with God with your finances and to give back to him what he's already given to you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Please use this opportunity to give as God has led you to give. Uh, as you close, you see that I have these canvases in front of me. If you did not receive one, it's because you most likely didn't contact us, which it's too late. We were going to say, if you want to come get one, come up Sunday morning right at the church, drive up here and get one, but no one's going to be here. So if you did not get a canvas, that's okay. We're still going to have our pay night tonight at 6 o'clock. We're going to send out, we're going to email out the live link, uh, the Zoom live link, and we'll make sure that the uh, First Christian uh, Fellowship people, that your congregation gets the, the link as well, and it'll be emailed out for 6 o'clock for the paint night. It's going to be very simple. It's basically everyone will be on it at the same time and just painting together. Whatever word you forgot, feel like God gave you this year, this is, this is where we're going to paint it. And then we encourage you to hang it up somewhere you'll see it. We put ours by our, our, our back door. We go in and out of our garage all the time, so we see it every day, our words for 2021. So it's going to be a great night, 6 o'clock, no Super Bowl, nothing going on. So let's uh, get together and paint. If you don't have a canvas, you can just use paper, construction paper. You want to sketch. We had one youth on Friday night. We did this with our youth group, and they he did it digital. He didn't want to do it on canvas. He wanted to do something different, and so he did, did it on digital, making uh, his word, which is freedom, which is pretty cool. Um, so 6 o'clock, I'm looking forward to it, to hang out with everyone here tonight, uh, little kids, big kids, everybody in between. That's going to be a good time. If you want a canvas, it's, 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 it's too late. Unless you want to drive in the snow, I recommend you not. Just see you at 6. Grab some. Get creative. Um, and then we're going to start a new series titled Where's the Love in February. Talk about love, marriage, family, the church, and the community uh, in February. So we're looking forward to that. We're going to close the time of worship. You guys be safe. Be blessed. Uh, enjoy the snow with your family or the day off, where it may be. And we will see you tonight at 6 p.m. And that's it from us. Enjoy the worship, and we'll see you tonight.
Give us clean hands.